welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came Here he home. is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, oh my word. Thank you. Oh, wow. It always sounds bigger than probably it really is. It really is. is. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think the smartest radio. thing we did was sell those binoculars so people way in the upper deck can, can see, still see can us. Feel yeah. a part yeah. of the, Would be unfair yeah. to them. Hey, by the way, uh, we had Harold Hensley on our show last week from yeah. the Dayton, Ohio area, not yeah. too far from Cincinnati. He and he was good. Yeah, yeah, he was. Got a new album good. out. Yep. We'll hear more about that in a little bit. And we said, come on back. So yep. we got him in for another week. Yeah. And uh, he will uh, do another song, uh, join Jerry on Down by the Riverside. He's really good. Yeah. Very good. And uh, also, we're going to ask Jerry to comment on a, kind of a theme that's been lingering probably since Donald Trump was elected, but America seems so angri angrily divided, mm -hmm. yeah. but angry, angry. Yeah. There's a passion that's, i uh, love to hear, hear you give some analysis to that. Now, I want to do something that uh, is kind of tough because Megan Hills has been, I'm going to give a little, little bit of history here if it's okay. Yeah. Megan Hills, who is like, we're like her crazy uncles. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, they wait, are. And is, she always, this is Megan, right? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. Megan Hi. on your left. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and she has, uh, been with Jerry and secondarily me through a career in radio, Springer mm -hmm. on the radio, Air America. Yep. Going back 10 years, maybe, or 2005. more. 2005. Yeah. yeah. Five and well, six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, she did that. She was on a show with my brother Jerry. My brother Jerry Galvin is in the audience here as we speak. And Oh, oh hey. Uh, Jerry. Oh, please. Please. Get the spotlight on him. Yeah. <laughs> radio fame himself. And we did a show yes. called It's So Stupid Galvin's Again, a very proud title of a radio show. Yes. It's aptly so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Megan was our announcer and uh, cohort on that as well. So when we decided to do uh, Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, the Jerry Springer podcast, we asked Megan if she would join us, and she did. And for three years, three-plus years, she has done that. We've always said all throughout, as you know, Megan, that Megan is a professional woman, has a day job, and has a hotshot degree from Xavier University, a master's, his undergraduate from Northern Kentucky University, and then a master's from Xavier that trained her to do HR work. Yep. Am I right so far? So far. And uh, <laughs> so she just took a job. I'm not going to name the company. It's not necessary, but it's a wonderful company that's come into the area, the greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area. And her hours, and this sort of came out of nowhere to us, not to us, we're not complaining, but it was a situation where she's not traveling. That isn't so much the anymore. issue. Yeah, yeah. Because at a former job, she was doing some traveling and was missing some shows, and we had some fill-in people. But this job is, <laughs> I guess what you would call a kind of a second shift. Yeah, it's the later hours. So which, later is, hours. Which, which is the second shift? 
four to eleven. Like, yeah, oh, be, right? yeah. To, yeah. So that kind of deal. Evenings. Because the HR thing in this big company that's coming yeah, in, they need stuff going, operation. going, going. Yeah. Probably yep. going to do some training and things exactly. and orientations. Right. Yep. And there are workers that are working that later around the clock. Is that yep, true? Twenty-four hours, seven. So days it's a week three-shift operation. Yep. So where are you going with this? So she is leaving what? our show. What? It's my last show. It's her day. She's her day. Her day job is calling. What day job? <laughs> what do you mean? What day job? It's her career. It's a high-paying HR job. I, I gotta pay bills, Jim. You said they have different shifts. Get a different shift. <laughs> no, I didn't you, work like that. You have like no that. inkling how the world works, do no, you? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> Just none. So entitled. I know. Uh, but a, a, anyway. Um, we are very, oh, very man. sorry for a whole bunch of reasons. You are <laughs> a you, litany. <laughs> no, you're, you're hilarious. You're the perfect uh, foil for. Who's uh, going to keep us reined in? I know, I know. So, <laughs> and who's going to laugh at my hysterical jokes? Well, that's yeah. not going to change. No one does. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess you got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> God, it was good to see you guys this week. I'm out. <laughs> oh, man. And, and I imagine you have mixed feelings, too, because you... Oh, you're... I'm really... Yeah, no, this oh, yeah. has been... And, the, you know, the first time around when we did Spring on the Radio, it was such that a blast. Yeah. yeah. And this has been... And, and being down here at the folk school and getting to know everyone that's been around yeah. every week, and David and Jim, it's been yeah. such such a good group of people and such a wonderful experience. And I'm really, really great. I'm getting a little, a little grateful for it. Yeah. Because um, not everybody gets to do this stuff and gets to sit yeah. here and listen to Jerry and... and you know, <laughs> all joking aside, I mean, yeah. you're brilliant. And I love, oh, I love the time that sweet. we've been able to, to learn from you guys. And, well, we and, love you. And you're going to come back in 10 years. We'll do it again. Well, we're going to have to do it at, uh, what is it called? The Springdale Cemetery? <laughs> yeah. yeah. St. Charles Nursing Home. Well, yeah. before there will be Instead a nursing home. Instead of saying live from the Ludlow <laughs> Coffee Shop, yeah. it'll be dead from <laughs> Springdale. Yeah, the former Jerry Springer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say too much about what goes on here because it takes some of the magic out of it <laughs> but there are some other things you do on the show that we don't yeah, say still, directly you, right. you know what i'm saying yeah. megan yep i do so too. you're still gonna and, be doing work and we can sure. still yeah. have you do some of that yeah, stuff for sure. For sure. <clears throat> because that is can be done uh behind the curtain behind the curtain <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah no it but has been a blast i've Anyway, we, we have And really if you get fired, you'll be right back I'll be here, right? Back. Yeah. Oh, hell. Fingers crossed, yeah. man. <laughs> Fingers Just crossed. view it as a month off, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way. I can't, I can't work here. Yeah. I have to go work for an hour a week for Jerry yeah, yeah, Springer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are unknowns down the line because shift, change, shift assignments can change. Sure, oh, absolutely. Sure. So we don't know. And, you know, and, maybe they're paying you something, but then again... <laughs> For those listening and not watching on Facebook Live, Jerry, hold on a second. Let me oh, you Jerry. want to take what's behind curtain one or curtain two? All right. Let me see this for a second. Put that, just put that right there. I, I want to put that you. right the there. Uh, Jerry, because most people hear this, don't see it, but Jerry took out a wallet. And I want to make a reference here. And Megan, this can be one of your parting shots. Did you remember, do you remember the Seinfeld episode yes, George where George had back problems and Jerry said, Why do you need a receipt? Look at this wallet. <laughs> yeah, now, I'm not going to take any from it. But I'm going to hold this up. Facebook Live people. Get, get, like by I the way, get out your cell phone too while we're out. We'll have fun on two levels. <laughs> okay. 
This is Jerry's cell phone, Facebook Live, for those listening. I'm opening about a vintage 85 flip Circa phone. Circa 91. Here, you can hear me close it. That's Jerry's cell phone. That's me closing up. And then this is Jerry's wallet, wallet. billful, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that sucker is, does anybody have a measuring stick here? I bet yeah. that sucker's like well, three inches Well, they make money thick. so much thicker these days. <laughs> what in the mother F do you have in here that would make He's got a coupon that. for a free ice cream at the... <laughs> Yeah, for Facebook. Well, yeah. Man, are you loaded? <laughs> That's svelte. That's svelte. It is svelte. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's my well, why, wallet. Why there's do you even good. bother carrying <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, Bonnie pays for everything. Okay, here. Let's do <laughs> Let's do one last thing <clears throat> as a send-off for Megan. I'm taking the money out of my wallet. Six dollars. <laughs> Six dollars. Six dollars. That is, you know how they say, well, what do you have in your wallet or some what, credit card? What's in your wallet? What's Six in your bucks. Six <laughs> bucks. This is pathetic. Here, go buy yourself a dress. <laughs> Notice, I'm taking it. He's <laughs> keeping the duck. Seven no, I got six bucks. Wait, I, I'm I mean, not asking you how much, but I bet you have in there hundreds. I'm watching this. <laughs> Look at these. These are all hundreds, hundred, 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 hundred. hundred, hundred. I'm up to a thousand. Robbed Holy God! That's over. That's a thousand easily. Way north Get of your a thousand. Own show, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So but all Megan, that good wholesome programming gets you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look what you're going to miss, Megan. Only I, in America. <laughs> we we love you, Megan. Love you uh, yes. We will it's miss gonna, you. We really are. When holidays come, vacation, whatever. Yeah, like on vacation, you're coming to the I'm Jerry Springer podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah. Instead of cruising the Mediterranean. Yeah, I'll be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But down the line, who knows? Yeah, Could be exactly. a shift change. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we are... You know, we got we got to consider. We really do love having a third voice. Yeah. There will be somebody, yep. and we'll figure all that out. Yep. But for the time being, we're just uh, come back and visit. very sorry to see Megan go. Megan Hill. <laughs> hey! Closing comment, by the way, Megan. I've said this before. Uh, is in the business world, very proficient person in a complicated world of industry now doing HR stuff. But she was trained as an actress. Yeah, that was my undergrad. Yeah. And, and did lots of acting. Yep. And so the whole announcing thing and the comedy stuff and all the personality is just part of who it's you all are. Fake. It's all <laughs> just an act. <laughs> so we're going to see now if we can do a show without personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this try a real it. test. <laughs> Put God the clip on my way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going back, he's got important calls to in make. In case on someone that. calls long distance. Yeah, like nineteen yeah. ninety-four. Yeah, from the past. Hey, you know, uh, transferable skills. I'm an educator by trade, and I was always big on that. The skills that you have, that you learned in theater training, and all the acting you did, and all the personality stuff, all that just transfers over into the business world, particularly if you're a trainer oh, yeah. <clears throat> or a teacher, which I've done. You've got to have most successful educators are the ones that are the same people that could be in theater or that is you got to make it interesting. Uh, yep. You get handed some really boring topics. I mean, I was teaching people how to drive forklifts a few weeks ago. Like, that is not interesting watching 45-minute videos on that. I hear you. <laughs> no. And you've got to come up with ways to sort of bring that alive and to hold people with you, yeah. et cetera. Yep. 
<clears throat> so we're very proud of you, and we look Thanks, forward uh, staying in touch. Two and weird uncles. You'll, you'll hear her voice. <laughs> yeah. You'll hear her voice on this it's a real podcast. Insult to your family, isn't it? Is. They're yeah. lovely people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you'll hear her voice sometimes when you won't even yeah. know it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, Jerry, talk to us about, give us your analysis of why are people so pissed off in America these days? Well, if you're our age... Um, we put it in context because we remember the Vietnam era yep. where um, the anger was easily as much and, frankly, more violent. I mean, in the, in the late 60s, we had uh, burning cities. Uh, we had riots, assassinations, people burning draft cards. I mean, it was, you know, that was as rough as I've ever seen in the United States. But the intensity of the feeling now is, I mean, people basically stop talking to what used to be their friends, or they just avoid discussing politics at all. I mean, there really is a substantive division in our personal lives, it seems. And it, it's at a dip. And what brings it, what brings us to this? I mean, we've had political differences before, but now it seems at a whole new level. Now, in fairness, part of it is it's a different age. So all differences get exacerbated by, for example, social media, cable news 24-7, outside efforts trying to uh, manipulate public opinion, fake uh, websites, stuff like that. And so all of this, you know, adds to the intensity of people's feelings. That's why politics has become such a part of our lives. We almost can't escape it. You can't even watch comedians in late night television without it being in your face all the time. I would argue that one of the reasons that there is such intensity beyond those, which by themselves would probably be enough, if every poll we take that anybody takes for the last generation, it seems, is, you know, how much do you, what do you think of the, our government? What do you think of the White House? What do you think of Congress? What do you think of the Senate? What do you think about judicial system? It is amazing. Everything is, you know, in negative numbers. People dislike, don't have respect for our major institutions. They're all disliked. And it's across the board. And a theory I have for why this happens, and it it's came to light even more so with these uh, hearings on the uh, Supreme Court justice, it's that we have a government which ostensibly rules over us, and it's not the government we voted for. Everything... We're taking orders in our lives from people that didn't win, from people we didn't vote for. So whether it's, think of it, twice in the last 16 years, we had a president who didn't get the most votes, and in Trump's case, by a lot. And then you have a Congress where overwhelmingly more people voted Democrat in the congressional elections than vote Republican. And yet the Congress is clearly Republican, and that's because of gerrymandering. And then you look at the Senate, which even though it doesn't get a lot of discussion, I would argue is 
structurally the most serious problem. And what I mean by that is every state, as you know, gets two senators. So we have 50 states, we have 100 senators. So this afternoon, I Googled the percentage of the population of all 50 states. And I took, I divided the country in half. So the 25 smallest states and the 25 largest states. Both groups have 50 senators, right? Each state gets two senators. So the 25 smallest states make up 50 senators. But the 25 smallest states, if you add up their entire population, comes to over comes to only 15. That's 1.5% of the nation. Do you understand that? Half the Senate, 50 U.S. senators come from states that only represent 15% of the country. And these are overwhelmingly almost all, quote, red states. Rural states, southern states, states, obviously, that don't have a lot of people. And then you wonder why the Senate is conservative, You wonder why we get the votes we do, why there's very little progress. That's the system. Now, initially it was put in because that's the only way you'd get the smallest states to ratify the Constitution. But that was when we had 13 colonies. Now, and we're stuck with it because it's in the Constitution, but we have a Senate which in no way reflects the American population. So with all the complaining about how can Trump be president when he lost to Hillary by three million votes, how the heck do we get anything past the Senate of any progressiveness when you have 50 of the senators representing 15% of the population? And, And... I'm yelling this because, honestly, with all my studying of politics, I kind of knew it was unbalanced, and and I added it up again. You can look it up yourself. I think to be exactly technical, it was 15.4%. That's unbelievable. So you wonder why people have not much confidence in our government is because you have all these institutions, the presidency, The Congress, because of gerrymandering, and the Senate, because of the way it's structured, that we have a government that isn't the government we voted for. And then we wonder why we get upset, why we have no faith in it, why it just doesn't do anything for us. No, because they're they're not elected by us. So how do the Republicans do so well, though, in power, in getting power? They don't do well in convincing most American people to vote for them because, let's be honest, most American people aren't old white men, like Gene. (laughs) And me. So they know how to get power. And one of the reasons they have power is because all our institutions are male-dominated throughout history. So they still control the institutions. And that's why you get a committee on the Senate hearings on Kavanaugh 
being drilled by all these old white men. Not one woman on the Republican side. Now, how do they get this power other than the fact that they've always had these, they always have run these institutions? I think, and this is where Trump's people are really smart, and honestly, I just thought about it two days ago because that's when it, be now two days ago, based on when we're recording this, which is the 9th of October. They are replaying, Trump has stolen Richard Nixon's playbook. Let me explain how it's done. In the early 60s, well, starting in the late 50s and early 60s, we have the Civil Rights Movement. And the Civil Rights Movement, when, it, when Americans, starting in 1959, most Americans had television sets. That was the first year most Americans had television sets, 59. And we started to see on the nightly news, and there were only, in the beginning, two and then three stations that had news, we would always see these pictures of what was going on in the South, of Bull Connors, the sheriff, uh, hosing down little black children that wanted to get into school, or um, the Freedom Rides, and we've had them here, some of the survivors of the Freedom Rides on our podcast here. Um, we also had the bombing of the church in Birmingham, the march in Selma. So... In the late 50s and early 60s, America's conscience was hit by looking at these pictures. So even if you were a conservative, even if you, know, you never gave much thought to what was going on in the South or whatever, you couldn't help but see, eh, that's really bad, that's wrong. And so the civil rights movement was in a sense romanticized and a lot of people joined in. If they didn't join in, they certainly understood. And the music of the era became civil rights music. You know, uh, Dylan and Peter Paul and Mary and what have you. So that was that. And then suddenly in the mid-60s, things started getting ugly. Because all of a sudden the emphasis was on Vietnam and suddenly there was not much progress on civil rights. And so the black movement, the African-American movement, became more militant and even Martin Luther King was kind of disparaged within the black community as being too soft. You know, that his nonviolent approach wasn't working and Stokely Carmichael and, 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 and people of that ilk started getting more power. And so you had the black power movement and you had the militancy and you had burning cities and riots. And here comes Richard Nixon running in 1968 starting actually in 64 with Goldwater. But here comes Nixon, and they um, pushed, in a sense, by Wallace and the fear that George Wallace would get the nomination, the Southern strategy. And the Southern strategy was they could take the Democrats away, they could take the Democrats away from the Democratic Party and come to the Republican Party, if Nixon thought, if he appeals to the, quote, Silent Americans, the silent majority, the white people in working class families that were suddenly afraid of militant blacks. They were suddenly afraid, oh, they're moving into our neighborhood. Oh, if you drive through the neighborhood, lock the doors on your car. Don't let the women walk there at night. And all these scare, scary things were brought out to get people very quietly 
to quietly go to the voting booth, and they had maybe had always voted Democrat, but because of their fear, fear of what these young blacks were doing and where this movement was going, these crazy people, these hippies, etc., be afraid. So without telling anyone, let's go to the polls and quietly vote for Nixon. It became the Southern strategy, and for the first time since the Civil War, the Republican Party won the South and even started to make inroads in the Rust Belt, the fear of the minorities. Now jump 50 years later. Did you notice, and that's what came blaring through the screen, uh, screen at me on Sunday when I was watching the talk shows. They're all using the same words now. The women's movement, the mob. Did you notice how uh, not just Trump, but McConnell and Lindsey Graham, they used the exact same word. These, these, you know, I'm all for women, but these women are crazy. They are, they are threatening us. It's a mob. Did you see how they ran onto the elevator? Did you see how they're coming into the Capitol, how they're coming into our neighborhoods? They're crazy. They're the mob because... He's not going to win a majority of the people with this, but if they can get their base just like they got the base with the Southern strategy to quietly come and vote Republican, they can get their base this time, a month from now, a month and a half from now, in the November election, to come on home and vote Republican. You don't have to tell your neighbors you're voting for Trump, but quietly, because women are starting to threaten the men. You actually heard the president says, I fear for my sons. What? But that's what they're saying. They're using that term. That is not an accident. You don't get three politicians on national television the same morning to all use the term mob. You know a memo went out or an email went out. You know it. And that is the Nixon strategy, fear, because nothing drives people to the polls more than fear. You can like someone, but that isn't going to make you change your habits on election day and get up in the morning and go and vote. Yeah, I like him, good person, whatever. Fear, whoa, I got to get to the polls. I'm afraid. And even on local issues, if, someone, if they're going to build a shopping center across the street from you and you don't want that shopping center because of traffic and everything, you will vote that day. You're afraid of the shopping center. You're not going to say, well, I'm going to vote for that guy. I saw a picture with his family. It's really nice. He went to my high school. That doesn't drive you to the polls. Fear drives you to the polls. That's what they're doing. That's what Trump, McConnell, and uh, Lindsey Graham are doing. Do you see him screaming at the hearings? He's striking fear, fear into their base. That will get them out, and that is why, ladies and gentlemen, the only way we're going to stop this is if every one of us gets to the polls on Election Day. I can't say it enough. It is the only thing left to stop. The Supreme Court won't save us. The Senate won't save us. The Congress won't save us. The President won't save us. You want to save yourself? Get to the polls in November.
So if you haven't done so, just have you seen them? Have you seen the documentary "Get Me Roger Stone"? Have you watched that on Netflix? No, not yet. Oh no. my gosh! Watch. Should see it. Holy cow! Oh, I will. Especially Get after just what you Got said. It. Yeah. Got Wonderful. It. All right. As Jean said at the top of our show, Harold Hensley is back with us this evening. Yeah. Welcome Yay! back, Harold. All right. So you are back with us for another week. Thank you very much. You're out of Dayton, Ohio. So what brings you down to the Cincinnati area? Um, the actually, area. Uh, I, I play some shows down here um, pretty often uh, with, my, with my band, The Repeating Arms, a cool. uh, string band from Dayton. Uh, we play Arnold's. Our, it's Love our favorite Arnold's. patio. Great place. Favorite patio to play. So Very cool. Uh, yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back. Um, your newest, well, you said it was your only, your, your first solo recording. Yeah. Give us the name of that again. Uh, Midnight Savings Time. Midnight Savings Time. <laughs> so you can find this on megaphonerecords.com. You can find more information. Isn't that great? Um, and let's see here, Harold. What song do you have for us tonight? Um, I'm going to play a song called uh, Songs of Home. Songs of Home. Um, it was written about a, a farm that my parents owned, uh, my family owned, uh, in Martha, Kentucky. Yeah. Little, little speck on a map in eastern Kentucky. And uh, it's a self-explanatory song, The Songs of Home. So Can't wait to hear hope it. Hope you like it. <clears throat> Not forgotten, even when you're dead and gone. 
where we sing songs of hope. You can tell summertime's coming by the dead snakes on the road. Again, that is Harold Hensley, and you can check him out at megaphonerecords.com. His album is called Midnight Savings Time, and we are going to ask him again to sing with Mr. Springer. It'll be my pleasure. And yeah. we apologize in advance. You, you, weren't, <laughs> you, you weren't discouraged last time? No, no. It was a great time. What's wrong with you? That was, that's I the whole reason I, I came down. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a brave man. Yeah. Y'all ready? Yes. Let's All do right. it. Gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside The deep or no more I ain't gonna study well no more I ain't gonna study well Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Ain't gonna study